And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, man, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the savvy Lisa Wolf. Savvy. Yeah. In this hour, we'll present a 1950 classic radio episode of The Big Story, Narrated by Robert Sloan. But first, it's Name That Tune. Lisa Wolf Cullen will play short clips from popular songs, and a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Bill and I will try to name that tune, right, Lisa? You got that right. We've got Bill on the phone from Norwich. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I was on before with Carl, and I think we tied. Oh. Um, All right. Well, we're going to so, have to change that, right, Bill? Yeah. That's no he's good. The, he's he's the disco expert, right? He is yeah. the disco queen. And you know what else, <laughs> Bill? <laughs> and you know what else? I'm is in even, trouble, then. I took my Prevagen, so uh, I've been doing really good tonight with these uh, trivia questions. So, Well, we're here to take him down. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give it a try. All right. So these are all disco songs, mostly from the 70s. I think there's one here from early 80s. I wore my bell bottoms, too. Oh, you look good. Yeah. You got, <laughs> you got some platforms on your shoes, too, so well, I can maybe, almost see you over the counter. Maybe we'll post a picture. <laughs> maybe I'll send Lisa a picture. She can post it. Of me from my disco days. Should we do that? Um, in your leisure suit yeah. with your Italian horn? We'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that All for right, you. All right, here we go, Bill. All right, here's the first okay. song. This is disco, and it Wait, goes are we back. shouting it out? You're shouting it out. Shouting it out. All right, Bill, I've got faith in you. We're going back to 1975. Dancing Queen. No? Nope. No. Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, you should get a half a point off for that. I should. I know. Um, I don't know this. I don't either. Is it Bee Gees? No. 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 It, it, I think you'll you'll know in a second. Here it comes, guys. Come on. Fly, fly, rock, and fly. Yeah, it's a little late. (laughs) (laughs) About one beat too late there. So we didn't get this. This is fly, rock, and fly by the Silver Connection. Is this year's a tough one? Well, they got a Grammy Award um, in '76 for this song, but okay. This would be a good one for Bill. Bill, are you? Weren't you a pilot, or are you a pilot, or do I have you mixed up with someone else? 
No, uh, not at all. Okay. No, I am not, not a, a pilot. pilot. I was going to say, this is perfect for you if you're a pilot. But fly. Seeing that he's not. Bill, fly. Seeing that he's not. It doesn't make any sense Why at did all. I think Bill was a pilot? I don't yeah. know. All right. All right. Moving on. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's hear this next song. That is <laughs> Disco. <laughs> But it's called. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Did I hear Latin hustle somewhere? No. Ah. I mean, it was on the pop and the R&B charts. That's the title. Dance, dance, dance. 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 <laughs> All right, we didn't get it. We did not no, get it. No, this Bill. is by Chic. Dance, dance, dance. Chic. This was dance, number six. Dance, no, dance. nothing. No. All right, I think you're losing your magic uh, disco oh, queen touch. The Prevagen is not working. I don't no. know. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> All right. Uh, I think you guys are going to know this one. 75. Let's hear it. Do the hustle. Yeah, the hustle. You got it. Oh, oh you got one. I knew that he beat me. I know. Okay. This is Van McCoy, the hustle. Ooh. It went to number one on the charts in 1975 and won the Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Performance in 76. Do the hustle. Do the hustle. Do you remember the hustle? The yeah. dance? The oh, actual I remember dance? how to do it. I remember how to do the okay, hustle. Okay, don't show me. Oh, <laughs> I was going to get up and... No, I'll just keep it in my uh, imagination. We used to do the hustles at all the, oh, yeah. the dance parties. It's cool. There's a lot of right. fun. Ready for the next one. Okay, Carl one. is ahead one to nothing, yes. right? Just right. by one. All right, come on, Bill. Here we go. 1977. Disco Inferno. I think I beat him. All right, we'll give it to Bill. No, we'll give it to Bill. It's all right. It was really close. I think you got it, Bill. All right, this so it's one is, to one. Uh, the Tramps, Disco Inferno. Those Tramps. <laughs> yeah. This was also covered by Tina Turner in 1993 and Cindy Lauper in '98. Do you remember those hmm. versions? No. Okay. I only remember this one. Okay. <laughs> Disco Inferno. Disco Inferno. Came in the chain reaction. Great memories, huh, Carl? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, disco! I'm telling you, Bill. Bill these it's were good the, you can't see Carl right these now. Were it's the a years, little crazy man. in these here. These were the years, the disco years. I, I know it. it. All right, here we go. Here's right. the next one. I think you guys are gonna get this one. Let's do it. Tonight, tonight we're gonna make it happen. 1984. I'm so excited. Yes, All right. He's got it. The Pointer Sisters. Way to go, Bill. 1982, although they had a, re, a re-release in 84. Wow. Love you. Can't quite get the words right, but you got the idea. <laughs> Bill's up two to one. That's right. We've got one All more right. song, guys. I'm, I'm so excited. All right, next one. All right, last song. Last song? I can only tie? That's right. Oh, man. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Boogie, Boogie Nights. Uh, uh, Minus a half. (laughs) 
Um, that's the way I like it. Yes. Tasting the sunshine, oh. man. Yes. But I only get a half. Well, no, I get two. <laughs> Casey and the Sunshine Band. That's Although the way I, 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 yeah, guess, I, I like it. But I guess they're wrong, so I, I get a half. So Bill right. won. Bill, you, you know won. what? Two to In this song for Radio Airplay, they toned it down. Some of the uh, that's the way. Some of the references were a little lazy. Like this is a great song. It is a good one. I have this on my playlist. You know, like my you do tape. not have a playlist. My mixtape. <laughs> I don't believe you. I do. <laughs> I have my work yet. Are we two to two then? No, you won. You won two. I did? You won two to one and a half. <laughs> Bill won. Well, I like I it. I big on halves. Well, you know what, Bill? That means I won one last time. You won this one. So the next time you call in is the rubber match. <laughs> Okay. All right, buddy. Fantastic job, Bill. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Good. Love your show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Bill. Bill. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm going to send you a four CD set of the Twilight Zone radio dramas. Enjoy that, my friend. Okay. Thank you, Carl. Buddy. Okay. Take care. Good night. Good night, Lisa. Bye. When we come back, it's the big story. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right. Well, you know what, Lisa? I want to remind everyone listening that we do offer the full five-hour show via podcast. You can get the entire five-hour program sent to you in your email inbox. It's a link. You click it. You hear the full five-hour show. You can skip past Lisa, all her, you know, yada, 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 yada. Skip right past that. And then, uh, you know, stay, stay on me when I'm talking. That's just not going to happen. When the classic radio shows are playing, stay on that, too. When Lisa's talking, just just go right past that. Right. And then uh, the links. junk. Yeah, links never expire. So uh, get our podcast sent to you each and every Monday. It's only five ninety nine a month. That covers our cost to send it to you and uh, and the upload and the bandwidth bandwidth and all that stuff. It's a buck fifty a week. Don't you want I mean this show's worth more than a dollar fifty a week? I would think so, especially since five you don't hours? get the whole five hours necessarily. I mean, you know, like if you get an iTunes song, it's like a ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine, it's like three minutes. You get five hours for a buck fifty. I mean, come on, five ninety nine. And uh, anytime Quality you want to programming, anytime you want to uh, cancel it, just let us know. We'll cancel it. But you'll get this sent to you each and every week, and you can listen to it at your convenience and Bluetooth it to your car, and just listen whenever, and then save them all and keep them for posterity. Right? Right. Big right. word, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> just go to our website, Hollywood360Radio.com. Hollywood360Radio.com. Top of the website talks about how you can sign up for the podcast. Okay, time for the big story. It was a crime drama, came to radio in 1947, lasted until 1955. These uh, were dramatizations of true stories of real-life newspaper reporters. It was a very high, top-rated program, and people were listening to this by the millions each and every week. Now, uh, they would give... $500 $500 to the reporter story that they chose. So it was good, good show. 
Bob Sloan narrated it. It also went to TV in 1949. We have a broadcast for you now called, uh, well, it's from January 11th, 1950, and it stars uh, Robert Sloan. Let's tune this in. Here's part one of The Big Story. The Big Story. You're the night clerk? You just signed the register. You just give me your money. Okay, you're the guy. Just tell me this. How's the hunting in these parts? You mean deer, bear, rabbit, that kind of thing? Yeah. Where can I get a twenty-two automatic pistol or rifle? Gee, I don't know. All right, tell me this. I see a big full-page ad in the paper. Open house at Calneva Ranch. What's that? It's a big place out near the California border, about 30 miles out. They do it the opening of every season. Free drinks on the house, free meals. Big crowd? Packed. Maybe that'll be even better than, what did you say, deers, bears, and rabbits? Yeah, that ought to be even better. Now I want a twenty-two rifle or automatic pistol. Now. Reno, Nevada. The story of a reporter who showed that gambling and divorce can also mean murder. Reno, Nevada. The stories that actually happened. Frank McCullough's story, as he lived it. The body was found slumped over the wheel of a Cadillac, a bullet having entered through the left temple and lodged in the brain. The necktie was drawn up tight against the throat. He was identified by a local resident of the Lake Tahoe region, just inside the Nevada border, near California. Why, sure, Sheriff, everybody knows him. Name's Wenzel. Owns a lot of property in these parts. Some say he's rich as Croesus. Some say he didn't have a dime. Two feet from the rich or poor real estate dealer, on the floor of the car, was the casing from a twenty-two caliber shell. And on the seat next to him was a bag of sweet rolls bought at the Alexa Bakery near Lake Tahoe. These rolls bought here? That's right, Sheriff. These are our six for a quarter. They're very good. I'm sure, I'm sure. Did a big fat man about 70 buy them? You mean Mr. Wenzel? That's right. He buys them almost every other day. You know, sometimes I can't understand whether he buys them because he likes them like he says or... Because that's what he eats for his lunch. Did he say anything to you about going to the open house at the Calneva Ranch? Isn't that funny, now that you mention it? I said to my husband, what's he buying rolls for if he's going to the Calneva Ranch opening? He'll get enough to eat there. Okay, thanks. Say, let me have one of those brownies. They look good. By now, the news of the death had reached you, Frank McCullum, reporter for the Reno Gazette, reached all of Reno. And you were out at the Calneva Ranch with Sheriff Parsons as he questioned the head waiter. The ranch was a beautiful, sprawling place. Its dining room in California, open till two. Its bar and gambling room in Nevada, open all night. Very pleasant and comfortable and very convenient. And the head waiter went with the place. Well, you see, Sheriff, our open house is perhaps the most popular event of the season... We get, oh, 
2,500, 3,000 people in that day. And Wenzel was in? Oh, yes. Like I said, it was crowded. And Mr. Wenzel was waiting on the line for a table, and I didn't have a table. I mean, I couldn't give him a table alone, so I asked him if he would mind doubling up. He said, sure. And he sat down at the table with this other fellow. What was the other fellow like? Just a fellow, young. I really didn't notice. What did they talk about? I mean, at the table. Well, I wouldn't eavesdrop. Okay. Show me the waitress. Well, he was very fussy. I brought him the curry chicken and he said, You call this curry chicken? And he sent it back. And then he said the mashed potatoes had lumps in them, the coffee was cold. This was and... Wenzel? Oh, no. So the other fellow, the young fellow, good looking one. You couldn't do nothing to please him. Even about the ice cream, he had to say something. Uh, what did they talk about? Well, as near as I could get, you know, I was very busy. The young one was interested in buying property in the area, and the fat one was... Uh, going... Wenzel? I guess that's his name. Well, he kept saying that there wasn't any better land in the Lake Tahoe region, you know, like a sales talk. And the young one kept saying, well, he didn't know if he wanted to stay in this part of the country, and the fat one kept saying how he couldn't do better. He kept saying these were the choicest lots in the whole area, but I was busy. I, I didn't really hear what they said. They leave together? Well, they must have. Because there they were, and when I looked the next time, there was a lady and a gentleman sitting there. I was surprised, because the young one left a dollar. He didn't act like a tipper to me. The fat one didn't leave nothing. The last link between the two men, the fat dead one, and the thin young one, came from an associate of Wenzel's, a young man who worked with him in the real estate office. Well, after he finished eating, I was at another table. He came over and he said, Eddie, that's my name, Eddie, I think I got a sale. And I said, gee, Mr. Wenzel, it's a funny time to be going out with a prospect. It was going on 11 o'clock. And then he said, listen, if I can't sell that boy a piece of property by moonlight, I'll eat my own necktie. And then to, to find the tie tied around his neck like it was, gee, he was a fine, happy, good man. And it stops there. A rich or poor man... Shot through the temple, last seen with a good-looking young prospect, period. And that's all. Nothing else shows up. But you, Frank McCullough, are a crime reporter. And for you, the case is not closed because of a theory you have. That is this. Somewhere, sometime... Someone always talks about every major crime committed. That's been your experience. Twelve years of it. And so, you start on your beer and listening system in the dives along Commercial Avenue, where somewhere, sometime, someone must talk. Have a beer, Tommy? Whiskey. You've got it? Tommy, this one happened 30 miles out. 31. From here to the Calnever Ranch, 31 miles. I measured it once by car. How'd you know what I was talking about? He asked questions about a lot of places. What do you know about Wenzel? I'm interested in finding out about... Maybe you shouldn't. Shouldn't what? You said you was interested. Maybe you shouldn't be. What does that mean? Just what I said. Look, do yourself a fat favor. Save yourself trouble. And I mean big trouble. Forget about it. Now, come on, where's the whiskey? Tommy knows. No crime within a hundred miles he doesn't know about. But there's no more. 
He swallows his whiskey and another one and a third. But there's still no more. Just the enigmatic, maybe you shouldn't be interested. Then Sergeant Dave Peters sidles over. Where are you going, reporter? Oh, just walking around. What gave you the idea you'd get any answers on the Wenzel killing here? How did you know I was on Wenzel? Look, let's don't spar, huh? I got other things to do. What do you know, McCullough? Oh, I've got ideas. I've got theories and I've got ideas. Okay, you play it close to the chest and so will I. Wait a minute. I know that Wenzel wasn't rich. I know he was a four-flusher. He had those lots on consignment. And if he sold them, he had a dollar. And if he didn't, he had buttons. That much I know. I figure this prospect, the young guy, the good-looking one, he thought he had a take, but he found out he didn't have a take. Something got crossed up somewhere and the gun went off. And, uh, what do you know about the prospect? Nothing. But I know this. Two days before the killing, there was a gunman in town. I don't know where he stayed. I don't know what he did. I don't know what he was after. That's something I heard about also. I know this guy, the gunman, was out shopping for a twenty-two. Now, that's the only connection. What he looks like, I don't know. And what he was after, I don't know. Except he tried to get a twenty-two. You want to team up what I've got, what you've got, and vice versa? All right. You got a deal. But no stories in your paper. A gunman and a prospect buying real estate. A twenty-two caliber gun. And from the way Sergeant Peters talked, and the way Tommy talked, a case that isn't very healthy to mention. And so you don't. Not to your best friend. Not to your wife. But the next morning, Tommy, whose last name nobody knows, comes over to you in another Commercial Avenue bar. You got a loose half buck on you? Why, sure, all the time, Tommy. Whiskey, no chaser. So you and Sergeant Peters is a pair, hmm? You'll be getting in the gossip columns next. How do you know? Make that a beer, Chase. You, uh... You know the Golden Light Hotel? I've heard of it. There's a night clerk there by the name of Addison. But like I told you before, it's something you shouldn't be interested in. I'm not, Tommy. It's just that I'd like to get a room at the Golden Light. All the bad guys, they always talk like this, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, you got a loose half a buck on you. You're pretty good at the bad Dummy. guy talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they all talk like this, you know, the bad guys. Throaty. You know? And then they could double and play like a nice guy later, you know? Talk like that. All right, more of the big <laughs> like story in a moment. Stick around. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of the radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour holiday 
Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Lisa Wolf. Yes, Carl. No E. That's right, Carl. Yeah. You know, I think you called me nimble. You are nimble. That's funny because, you know, I was thinking I've been called a lot of things. You've never been called nimble? <laughs> no, I have not. Nimble is a very nice word. You know, I looked it up. It's, I don't think it is a word that I would look use. Look it up right now. Um, it in talks, this context. It's like you're, you're like really smart and, uh, you know. Kind of like bendy? Like no, 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 flexible. no. It's not. Look it up. Nimble. All right. I'll look it up. Hang on. Just right hang, now? Hang on, folks. All right. I'm going to look up nimble. Up. No, I picked nimble. Because right. it Nimble described definition. you. Yeah. Quick and light in movement or action. Agile. Yeah. With a deft motion of her nimble fingers. See? No, not not. Well, not. that's the first definition. The second one is quick to comprehend. Yes. She's well quick read to, and intellectually yes, nimble. Yes. Rel okay. wed. That, rel wed. Rel wed. <laughs> what think, did I say? <laughs> rel. Wait a minute. That's hard to say. Well read. There you go. <laughs> Read it again. Read that second definition. Well, that's because when I think of nimble, I think more of a physical. Like nimble, be quick. Nimble Jack be nimble. Quick. Jack, Jack be, quick. be quick. I think more Jack of a physical over the... candlestick. No, no. I meant mentally. Rather than a, a, a mental attribute. You're mentally nimble. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Quick-witted, quick-thinking. See? Right. It fits you perfectly because you are quick-witted. Here's the thing. Le- nobody's quicker-witted than Lisa Wolf, no E. Well, it's, you know, a job to keep up with you, Carl Amari, you no know, E. It, there's no E in Amari either. No, there's an I. So, so I'm Italian, so there's always a vowel at the end of uh, Italian names. Yes. So here's the thing. I was looking up different, you know, <laughs> looking ad- at your adjectives to, uh, <laughs> to uh, describe you. Mm-hmm. And nimble was perfect. Right. I called you savvy in this savvy? hour. So you're very savvy. Savvy. In some ways, maybe not in others. Some ways and not others, yes. I'd have to agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> like, we differ. Here's the thing, and this is why we're such good good buddies, because Lisa and I have very different views on a lot of stuff. We do. And then we have a lot of the same views on, on things. That's true. And so because we have different views on certain things, yes. it creates a nice debate when we're off air. Like, you know, we talk about different yeah, things. Yeah, it does from your mind. I don't love debating with you, but I can respect your um, point of view. You don't, even like if it's... De- you don't like to debate with me? No, I really don't. Really? Mm-mm. Oh, should I not uh, debate with you then? Well, that's because it's a debate with you rather than a conversation. Oh. It turns into a this is how it is kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, whatever, because I don't want to debate with you. Whoa. We can converse, though. Okay. Is this a different terminology, I think? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, our political our political views are a little, you know, they're... Slightly they're, off. They're more than but slightly. But they overlap. They're more than slightly off. They overlap. But uh, that's okay, huh. you know. And you know what? 
I I I can respect your opinion, but you know, but you're mostly wrong. When right. It comes to, I was going to say, I'm sure I'm I wrong. I totally respect your opinion. Absolutely. You are when, mostly, it, when I'm right. Mostly wrong on your political views, but right. you know that's Absolutely. okay. Yep. But um, but that's why we don't talk politics on this show. No, we, never, we don't. We don't talk politics on. It's the show. not that kind of show. No, it's not. It's good. It's about classic radio. It sure is. And nostalgia. And Hollywood 360. That's right. We're listening to the big story. A broadcast from January 11th, 1950. Here's the conclusion. Where would I get a 22? I don't know nothing about a 22. You think if a fella comes in here and says, get me a 22, I'll go out and get him a 22? Look, Addison, I heard you weren't very particular. Okay, okay, I ain't denying it. This ain't the best hotel in town. You can get things here, sure, but guns... No, sir, that's out of my line. That's way out. Look, let's stop kidding around. You know just what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Wentzel. Look, you know what's the worst thing in the world to know? It's to know something about... something you don't want to know. About a fella killing another fella. That's the most dangerous thing in the world to know. You ought to be glad I'm not talking to you. I've been walking around with this thing for three days now, and I'm going crazy with it. I don't want to know it. I don't want to talk about it. Let me alone. What'd he look like? What did the gunman look like? I'm telling you, three days I'm going crazy with it. I'm not going to say another word. Don't you think I want to live too? The information alone could frighten someone, but paralyze a man as the clerk is paralyzed. Only one thing could do that, the presence of the killer in town. And then, in a hotel bar. He says... You, McCullough? Go ahead. He says, stop talking to Pete as the cop. He says, stay away from Tommy, the stooler. Who says? He says, leave Addison alone. Stay out of the golden light. Look, stop getting mysterious. He says, forget about it. Because he says, he says he's watching you every single step of the way. And he says, maybe you're a smart enough reporter to want to go home to your wife and the two kids you got. One's six and one's two, aren't they? That's what he said. You're on a case of murder, but you haven't spoken about it to anyone. Not even your wife. You, Frank McCullough, reporter for the Reno, Nevada Gazette, and Sergeant Dave Peters are working together on the case... And though you keep it to yourselves, someone knows every move you make. Someone's watching you. Maybe the killer. And you just left a girl, a girl you never saw before, who told you... He says, forget about it. Forget all about it. That's what he says. And so, of course, you go to your partner, Dave Peters. You're slipping, Frank. Why? Because obviously she knows more than she told you. Because there are ways of getting to learn what that more is, and you didn't do it. So? So I think I can. I'll go back to the hotel bar, and we'll find out what it is. Okay, partner? Okay. I can't tell you. I can't. I swear I can't. He'll kill me if I tell you. Did you ever hear of the police department, lady? Guys don't go around killing people just like that. Now, who is he and where is he in talk? Now, you want me to go through the whole routine and arrest you for suppressing information 
hindering the prosecution of justice and so on and so forth? Now, where is he? He's up in room 204, asleep. Ludigan is his name. But please, maybe I'm stupid, but don't say it was me, huh? All right, Ludigan, come out of it. Come out of it. Look at his eyes, hmm? Peters. He looks coked up. Maybe. Come on, Ludigan. Come on, come on. Let's sit up. Well, well, what are you doing? Take your hands off me. Leave me alone, huh? All right, Ludigan. Where'd you get the gun? Uh, what did you call me? Ludigan? Is that who I am? Oh, no. no it, it, it don't sound right. It, it don't sound right. What are you doing? Putting on an act here? Come on, stand up. Stand up straight. Come on, stand up. I just walked around. Well, all of a sudden, I said, you know, I don't know who I am. All of a sudden, like that. And I heard a violin playing some music somewhere. A violin. And it started to tingle all down my arms and in my legs. It began to tingle, and I said, it, it must be I got something to do with a violin. That's who I am. Something to do with a violin. What are you giving So I us? went to the store, this music store, and I says, give me a violin and a bow. And I put it up my shoulder under my neck, and I started to play. And I says, please, God... Let me know how to play the violin. Maybe then I'll find out who I am. But I couldn't play. It came out sour. I couldn't play a thing, not a note. It only made scratching sounds. I never found out until you just now said Ludigan. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that's who I am. You registered in the hotel. You signed the register. The only time I felt anything that was right was when I heard that music. And now that don't mean nothing even. Nothing. Nothing at all. What do you think, Curtis? All right, Ludigan, sit down and go back to sleep. Don't go anywhere. Come on, Frank. I think he's on the level. Uh, me too. If he is on the level, then... Then our girlfriend is giving us a beautiful line. Oh, sure, that's what it is. She threw us Ludigan, figuring that we'd take him in. A dopey amnesia can't prove where he was, where he wasn't. Figured we'd be satisfied with him. That means That's that... right. And I'll tell you another little surprise. I talked to your friend Tommy just to make sure. You know who she is? Who? She's the wife of the night clerk at the Golden Light. Well, well, well. Only we're not going there right now. We're going to wait until it's nice and dark and late and he's sleeping. Then we'll pay him that call. The night clerk. He's off duty tonight. Put the light on, Frank. Hey, what are you doing? What's the idea? Hey. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That was a nice idea, Addison. Throw us a fall guy, throw us a guy who don't know who he is, and maybe we'll pick him up, and maybe that'll end the case. Look, I tell you, you gotta believe me. We'll believe you when you start talking about the tall, thin, handsome guy. The guy with 22. There's nobody around. We've checked. There's nobody around but two of my men. So if you want to talk quiet, that's okay, too. But talk. You think I'm kidding, huh? About it being dangerous to know. I'm telling you, never in my life I never meet a guy like him, and I met a lot. Ice cold. Everything he said, everything he did. Planned, 
Careful. Icy. If you look in his eyes, you have to turn your face away. All right, fine. Now, let's get down to the facts. The first thing he done was... You know about the ad in your paper that Cal Never Ranch takes for the open house? Go on. No more stalling. I'm not. I swear I'm telling you. Well, he asked me about it. He turned to the page and showed me the ad and says... That was two days before the killing. I think the hunting there might be better than deers, bears, and rabbits. Now, get me a twenty-two. I never got nobody a gun before, never. But you know just to look at this guy that if you didn't do what he said... Never mind, go on. So I got it for him, through a guy I know, and then I didn't see him for 24 hours, and then he came back. He came back going on one in the morning. I was all alone. How much money you got, Addison? Gee, I ain't got any money. What do you mean? I'll tell you a funny story about that gun you got me. I went out to the place, the ranch, and I met this big, fat, dope Wenzel. He tells me how rich he is, all the land he owns. Five acres there, 20 acres there. So I says, this is what I'm waiting for. He's got a fat Cadillac. He takes me out there in the moonlight to see the prize lots, and I says, all right, Pop, what do you got in your pocket? And the dumb, fat slob, he started to scream. So what can I do? <laughs> he had eight bucks in his pocket and a bag of sweet rolls. Ain't that a laugh? You shot him? How much money you got? I got a 1949 Mercury downstairs. I'll leave it with you for security, because there'll probably be roadblocks anyhow. Now, how much money you got? The car is yours. And that's the truth, Sergeant. I got it for $200, and he gave me the car. I, I never drove it. I never touched it. Where is it? It's out in the back in the garage. License plates? There ain't none. He made me bury him. He said, don't look at the numbers. If you ever seen a man's face cold, icy... All or... right. Let's go where you buried the plates. <laughs> You dig them up. Texas license plates. And now it's a matter of waiting. You check the plates with the Texas authorities and find his name, Martin Stevens. A record a page and a half long. Wanted for robbery, for assault, escape from prison. This man is dangerous. Everything in the book. And you wait. And then a disturbing report comes in from Houston, Texas. Martin Stevens picked up Houston, Texas today. Claims to have been in this city past five weeks. Corroboration by wife, local school teacher, completely reliable. You want extradition. Peters, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Let me see that. Unless... Dave, unless... Yeah. Those icy eyes. The kind of thing he made Addison do. Shouldn't be hard for a guy like that to have his own wife lie the same way. I'm putting in for extradition right now. He comes, Martin Stevens. Well-dressed, thin, tall, good-looking. A tolerant smile playing on his face. I was never in Nevada. I never heard of this ranch, whatever you call it. I never stayed at the hotel on Commercial Avenue, and I don't know how to use a gun. Otherwise, I'm at your service. The eyes are, as Addison said, absolute ice. Now warm for purposes of charming people, convincing them. So, because your experience as a reporter has helped so much, you are present when Sergeant Peters lines them up, the inexorable array of people, one after the other. As I said before, he waited on the line because I didn't have any free tables. And then I showed Mr. Wenzel to a table. 
This gentleman was sitting there. Oh, I can't make a mistake. No, sir. Him being so good-looking with that cute mustache and the way he left me a tip, it was a whole dollar bill. Mr. Wenzel said to me, pointing to him, if I can't sell him by moonlight, I'll eat my own necktie. It was his idea to tell the cop and the reporter that this Ludigan, the fellow who lost his mind, that he was the one who'd done it. Okay, Addison, take a good look. I don't know. Those are bars between you. One-inch steel bars, and he's been frisked. And his eyes can't do any more than look at you. Well? He's the one. I got him the gun, and I gave him the $200, and he made me bury the plates. Okay, Addison. Go on home forget all about it. Even with all that, you still won't prove it. You won't prove a thing. I spent the whole time in Texas. Houston, Texas. I wouldn't be so sure, Stevens. I think we'll prove it fine. And you do. The jury listens to the witnesses, the waitress, the head waiter, the business associate, the night clerk and his wife. And then they listen to the handsome man with a mustache and icy eyes. And they make a judgment. And the judgment is as you stated. And once more, your theory is right. Somewhere, sometime, someone always talks. Now we read you that telegram from Frank McCullough of the Reno, Nevada Gazette. On trial for first-degree murder, killer in tonight's big story accused the night clerk of being the murderer. But the state clinched their case by producing the murder gun which killer had pawned in Los Angeles. Killer was sentenced to life in prison. And so ends another big story. In order to protect the names of people actually involved in tonight's authentic big story, the names of all characters in the dramatization were changed with the exception of the newspaper reporter. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. That's the big story, January 11th, 1950. It was originally heard on NBC, but that was the Armed Forces Radio Service rebroadcast. Uh, Robert Sloan is the narrator on there, but a lot of great actors in this program, including Mandel Kramer, Joe DeSantis, and uh, William Keene. Ernest Chappell did the announcing. And you know how I know all that, Lisa? Um, I'm thinking Carl Shadow. Yes, Carl Shadow <laughs> sent me a text saying, here's the voices, uh, the names of the people in that big story. Uh, he has a special ear for this kind of thing. And that's why Carl is uh, the guy I go to with the liner notes for the Classic Radio Club. You know, I write the liner notes. I pick the 10 shows each month. I think we're working on, like, March or April of next year already. We work ahead because, you know, we have to have the CDs manufactured and all that. And uh, I write all the liner notes. Then I send it to Carl, and then it comes back with a lot of changes. I bet. Lots and lots <laughs> of changes. Um, not that I'm wrong on... Uh, no, of no, course not. No, 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 no. It's no. just that Carl is more right. 
right. is how you it works. You can add some details that are correct. Yes. So that's how <laughs> it works out. I um, understand. But we uh, really appreciate Carl and everything he does. And that's Carl with a K. I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm trying to get him to change the uh, the K to a C. Right. Not working out. No. He mm-hmm. uh, seems to be kind of married Stuck to the on K. That. Yeah. All right, time now for This Month in Music History. All right, we'll see if you recognize this song going back to 1969. And this happens to be one of the songs that I wrote about in uh, the Hollywood 360 newsletter. Hmm. Tommy. Yep. Pinball Wizard. Yep. Ever since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball from Soho down the flight. So this is written by Pete Townsend and performed by The Who, featured on their 1969 rock opera album, Tommy. And uh, the original recording was released 1969, and it reached number 19 on the Billboard chart. Yeah. Have you ever heard the Elton John version? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's great. I really, I mean, this is great, no doubt, but the Elton John version is really cool, Well, I will say that in the Hollywood uh, 360 newsletter under uh, Lend Me Your Ears, I did post a link for this version and the uh, Elton John version as well. Yes. So you can make your own choices. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Sure. When we come back, it's more of Hollywood 360, so stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. George Burns and Gracie Allen. That's actually who I wrote about in the December issue. Burns and Allen. Not Dragnet. Yeah, Dragnet was uh, November. It was last month. Yeah, this, this current month. All right, we have Burns and Allen for you in our next hour, and then we're going to play Quote This. Quote This. Eh, Quote This. That's right. And what's it about? Famous television quotes. Famous TV quotes. Okay, Burns and Allen and Quote This. That's in our next hour here on Hollywood 360. So don't touch that dial, as they say. You know, there's lots of of places you can go, but we don't want you to go anywhere. Stay right here. We'll be right back. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.